Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and this is the show where we go, we go a bit about uh, a bit over uh, yesterday, yesterday's slate, last night's slate. Not that, not that, uh, not that much late news yesterday. Kind of a kind of a change of pace, and then we we talk a little bit about today's slate. Go through some stuff in lineup HQ. Here on Roto Grinders, answer your questions, strategy questions. I mean, we got a big slate today. We don't know what the hell's going to go on. I say this every day. We don't know. Anything that I say now may not matter three hours from now, six hours from now. So your strategy questions are much appreciated for the for the purpose of this show. If you're in the YouTube chat, I see you guys there. Daniel Hutchins, Meat Plow, DJ Cicero, Apocalypse. FF Assassin, Super, Superman is in chat. Superman. Da, 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 da. Uh, Dustin Hogue, Card Fan, Dario Rosenstock, Tim Maragni, Zach Hobbs. We got all a whole bunch of people there. And, uh, and even, even Eli. Eli's participating in the chat. Give him some, give him some claps. Give him any, he has the Guinness World Record for clapping. For clapping. So give him some claps and give him the clap if you if you want in the in, in the chat. And Obviously, I got my apple juice here. It's still cold. Keep it cold throughout the show by hitting that thumbs up button. Thummy thumbs. It helps us out, apparently. YouTube algorithm. Hit the thumbs down button. Who cares, right? Someone's already done that. So I don't think YouTube algorithm doesn't, doesn't even care. As long as you press any type of button. And just tap around the screen. It doesn't matter. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. We got oh we got invisible DFS here and uh, the, he won hundred k on uh, on one of the sites on was it was it DraftKings or FanDuel I know I saw I saw I saw it in uh, our, our RG Discord right fast point scores right you you won hundred k last night so one of one one of one of the subscribers I guess I mean whatever I mean you take the information you do it you, you have skill you do it yourself right look at the projections and uh, and there you go you have a nice little bink there nice little bink hundred k bink for fast point scores or invisible dfs or whatever whatever you want to call yourself uh already already going through, already going through so we already got questions that's fine but the, the tangents here there's no structure i typically talk about yesterday's slate then today's slate but there's questions all over the place right so so whatever whatever you want so just put it in the youtube chat and we're fine yesterday in cash it, it was going well until like damien lillard had to ruin me on fanduel so, because uh, <laughs> they scored a bunch of points in the point card spot. So, lost on FanDuel, lost on Yahoo, but won on DraftKings. So, only lost um, not even, what, 250-something bucks or something last night in cash. But still hovering around at 18.6 now. We're still, we're, we're getting resistance, right? If you're, if you're technical analysis in the stock market, it's like we're getting resistance at this, like, 21K uh, profit area. But we're getting good support. We're getting good support at the 15K level. Okay. So it's kind of we're bouncing up and down here. So we got we got another month and a half or so to get to get up. Uh, I mean, it's still going pretty good, right? $18,646. Pretty good. Pretty good return to almost double the bankroll. So so that's that's doing pretty well. I see some some questions in uh YouTube chat. Tim Aragni, uh Oh, oh, good. Oh, good morning. You, you're, you're. It's a rare treat to catch this live. Oh, okay. So you must, we must watch later. You must watch later and see. Oh, we're all talking about Ty Jerome, and then he's not even. You don't even play him, right? Because all the news changes, and it doesn't matter, right? Because what, what's the point of picking plays at this point? Uh, 
Dipping into MMA, do you have any strategy advice on lineup HQ settings for rebuilding during the slate after lock? Well, you rebuild whatever whatever lineups you want to rebuild. There's no settings. What what settings are you talking about? If obviously projections will change, and if you're looking to jam guys in, you, you, you jam guys in. A lot of times when I'm rebuilding, I'm doing I'm I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm 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 not doing it as a very fine tool. I'm doing it as oh, this guy is out. And I need to get as much of this other guy into my lineups as possible. And if I get like 88% of that guy, then give it to me, right? Because a lot of times, uh, most times, anything after lock is going to be lower owned than they should be. So if you get news after lock that, like, let's say today, okay? I don't know if there's, uh, is there any news pending? I don't know. I'm just going to make up a scenario, okay? So let's say we have, uh, you know, one of these like eight o'clock games, Right? Okay, because the lock is going to be at seven. We got one, two, three, four games at seven. We got one, two, three games at eight, two games at nine, one game at nine thirty. So this isn't that bad. But let's just say, I'm just making up a scenario that uh, that like Steph Curry just gets ruled out at like seven forty-five, right, for the Golden State Houston game, right? And Houston's already going to be shorthanded as it is, right? Because Oladipo is not going to play today. Uh, but let's say Curry gets ruled out. And it's like, okay, now I want Wiggins, Ubre, you know, I want, I want, I want Warriors guys. So like in the rebuilding tool, like my goal isn't to be like fine tuned. It's I got 15 minutes to make these changes. So it's like, okay, remove Curry from the pool and then jam as much of Wiggins and Ubre as possible. And I just let the, wait for the projections to update. They're obviously going to come up really good plays. And then just, if I had a bunch of, you know, if I had a bunch of Jokic, on Denver in the late game or Hayward or Luca, like I would obviously get less of them, but I mean, I mean, I wouldn't care as much about, well, (laughs) the 12% Luca, how do I keep that? (coughs) My, my priority is to jam (coughs) as much of the late value as possible because they're going to be so much under owned than they should be. If we knew this six hours before, you knew it if you knew curry was going to be out six hours before these guys would be owned the other warriors guys would be owned at at efficient levels but now they're not going to be so my goal when it comes to rebuilding is to jam the value jam whatever late value shows up and then deal with the consequences later then whatever whatever happens happens i think that's the best way to do it you're going to get the 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 most expected value out of guys that are going to end up being 18 percent owned when they should be like 54% owned. So I don't mind doing that. Now there are, there are ways to make more fine tuned type of things, but I mean, you'll have to work it just like you do lineup at HQ before, before lock. Well, I'm not getting enough of this guy and I'm not getting enough of that guy. My small forward is locked. So I can't play as much of that guy in a bunch of lineups, but most of the time you don't have that much time, right? You're not sitting there for a half an hour you know, tweaking a hundred lineups individually. It's more the fact of like, you know, you take a look and you go, Oh, uh, Lamella balls out. And it's like, Oh, I got to jam as much Rozier and Hayward and PJ Washington. And it's just like, you, you, you add them, you put like 50% exposure and just say, give me as much as you can. I don't care how I have to get to it. Maybe sometimes you even have to leave a little bit more salary on the table and you just jam it in. I mean, I think to me, that's, that's the, that's the best route to go. Instead of trying to fine tune stuff with the with the rebuilder, because you'll you'll rarely have that much time. So the the priority should be 
the high projected players that are now in play going to be lower owned because it's after lock unless people do late swap to get them in as much as possible. Then even, even caring about correlation, especially in NBA where it's so weak, like, like in baseball, it doesn't even happen that much. Like you're not, you know, Oh, this guy's out. I got to jam in everyone. Like that, that really doesn't exist in baseball. Uh, but, but like the correlations, I don't even care about in, in NBA. So if I, if I oh, jam in these guys and if I'm playing two of them in the same lineup, but I, I don't have enough time to worry about that, but you can, you can set up a group. You're like, Oh, I don't want to play with Brian Wiggins together. You set up a group and then you run the rebuilder. You could do that. But I don't think you should be focused on like the fine tune type of lineup building when you use the rebuilder. That's it's, it's a blunt instrument in my, that's, that's at least the way that I use it. If you could do it, if you could do it more fine tuned, God bless you. But I mean, a lot of times you, you got eight minutes, right? I mean, you're just sitting there go, Oh, God, Paul George is out. So I had four minutes before the game locks, right? What are you going to do? I mean, Oh, I need to make sure I only get 12% and not 15%. No, screw that. Right. You're like, how do I just jam in Reggie Jackson and Kawhi into as many lineups as possible? I just go just jamming in up the download the CSV, upload it as quickly as possible. And then whatever. And then you look and you go, Oh, I, I apparently I don't have any Luca now because I did that. And then so be it. And that's just the way it is. That's how, that's how I do it. I don't know. There, are there, are there more efficient ways of doing it? A lot of times you're dealing with such short time, time frames. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to sit there and just itemize like 150 lineups one by one and make sure that it's perfect. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I guess it's possible, but you gotta be like, you gotta be Superman. Maybe Superman's in the chat. Superman will tell us how to do it. Michael Papadopoulos. Hey Jordan is leverage something you could quantify. Do you try to do so? Is it just intuitive? Leverage is, is ownership. That's all leverage is. How much less ownership? How much projection are you getting for the less ownership? That's what leverage is. So it's quantified by ownership. I mean, we have we have we have pwn right now, projected ownership. I mean, as of 7:57 in the morning. Okay, so let's, let's this all could change. So if I if I built 10 lineups. Like we see that the top lineup right now on DraftKings, 284.22. And the cumulative ownership, the ownership sum, which isn't the be all end all, is 222. 224 for this one, 224 for that one, 222 for this one, 219, 217. So as you as it goes down, 217 would be more leverage. Technically, it's not leverage, but I mean, we use the term leverage. 220, 217, 214. So like, this is like the range of like what cash game lineups will look like, what chalky lineups would look like. Who cares about the players? Let's not even talk about the players. Let's just talk about these two numbers, 284 and 222. Okay. So to get leverage, obviously you're going to have to sacrifice some, some projection. So now we, we want to, let's say we're playing single entry or something, smaller field. We don't have to be, we don't have to sacrifice that much median, but we still, we probably want to be less than this. So let's use a blunt tool and just use the max total ownership, which is just a blunt tool. It's not to, let's, let's put it at uh, 200. So the max could be 200. 
So here's 197. So you're sack. Here's the top one under 200. 281, 280.61. The optimal is 284.22. So you're giving up about three and a half points, and you're gaining about 20% total ownership, which is still look like these are still high owned players based on our projected ownership. But this would be more like a single, this would be enough leverage for like a 400 person field, 500 entry type of field. But you could go down, you could play one of these liners. There's 199, 280.43. Here's one with a 3% owned guy. So here's 190. If you want to play this type of lineup. I don't know if you play Vassal and Eubanks together, but whatever. I mean, based on the numbers, this is this is what it is right now. I'm just going purely by the numbers, by our projections as of 7.57 in the morning, which don't mean anything. They're going to be updated. That's what leverage is. That's that, that's all this is. Let's say a larger field. Maybe we'll maybe we'd end up looking in the range of a, of a 160 as a blunt tool. You would never really use it this way. And you go, okay, here's 275. So you're sacrificing about nine points in projection. But look how much less ownership you get. Playing Claxton. Right? Who cares about the players? Don't, don't worry about the players. And you're like, okay, these are lineups that fit more larger field contests. Maybe you don't want to play Vassal and Eubanks together. Maybe you'd, I mean, you'd start making groups. You'd start, I mean, you'd start fine-tuning the lineups. But this is what leverage is. That's all this is. This is how you quantify it. Ownership sum is not the best quantification of it, but it is a quantification. It's directionally correct. So you look you look here. Go, okay, here, here are more leveraged lineups. Now, when it comes to like direct leverage, which in basketball is a little bit a little bit weaker, much weaker, is you're playing, you're playing someone that's negatively correlated to a chalky player. That would be like, uh, that. that's the proper use of leverage. That's technically the proper use of the term leverage. So for instance, if we see that like Sadoransky is, is owned, right? We have Sadoransky and Porter and Jalen Brown, and Tyrese Halliburton, apparently. Highest owned. So Sadoransky, let's go to Chicago. Who would be the most negatively correlated to Sadoransky? I mean, probably Kobe White, but I mean, at these prices, this is ridiculous. I don't know how you play Kobe White off the bench for 20, 26 minutes at 6,100. But if Sadoransky, I mean, obviously Sadoransky is too cheap at 3,800. They haven't raised his price enough from starting now. But who, who, who takes away from him? Probably Zach Levine. Right? Guard, taking shots. So you have some negative correlation with other people on his team. Markinen. Marginal 11.9% projected owned. So let's say if you didn't play Sadoransky, consider playing Levine in those lineups. Consider playing another Bull. You're not saying the Bulls don't do well. You're just saying that Sadoransky just doesn't get there because someone else has benefited instead. I mean, Sadoransky is a weird case because he's 3,800. It doesn't take much for him to get there. But it's more likely for the, for the, the high-end guys. So we take a look here. Got Kevin Porter, 6,800. And Houston's going to be really shorthanded today. Right? We don't know. We, and we don't even know the status of Macklemore House and Christian Wood, even. He could be back. 
But we take a look at his ownership and we go, okay, Porter and Brown, and then no one else. Like, so direct leverage could be someone like Jay Sean Tate or Daniel House if he was in or Macklemore if he was in. KJ Martin, like someone else from the team. So that would be direct leverage. For who benefits when, when the chalk guy fails? So if you want to think in terms of that way, instead of the ownership sum, that's one way to think about it. Or you could just not play him. I mean, like you get enough leverage by just like, I'm just not going to play Kevin Porter or Sterling Brown. Okay, you're done. You line up as leverage. To gain extra, extra leverage, you play someone else on the team. It's very similar in baseball. Chalk pitcher, right? Some some pitchers are going to be 40% owned on a 12-game MLB slate. Now, you could get leverage by not playing that pitcher and play someone else, right? You lose 40% of ownership in your lineup. You're done. Or you could stack against that pitcher. So you're not you're you're not playing that pitcher and you're taking the batters who will be negatively correlated with that pitcher doing well. You gain extra more relative value. Is do you have to do that? No, of course not. You could gain enough leverage by just fading the chalk pitcher. But if you could if you want to gain even more, obviously the batters are going to be pretty low owned against the 40% owned pitcher. You're going to get that stack like Commutatively less than, I mean, it'll be like 2% each batter. And that bat, if, that, if that's the top stack of the day, you win. I mean, you're killing all the lineups with the 40% on pitcher as well as shooting across everyone else because you have a 2% on stack to win them. So that would be, that would be more, that's more direct leverage if you want to call it that. That's what leverage is. It's an ownership discount. Brandon Stinson, Blender, game stacking on a large slate. I'm assuming we're talking about basketball. Does it have less likely or more likely probability of working based on your experience? Six players from two games, that type of six players from NBA has such limited correlation. It's weak correlations. Game stacking is not, is not a thing. It depends on the pricing. It depends on stuff, but no, I don't go out of my way to game stack. Game stacking is more likely on smaller slates where there's less options. In, ba- in, ba- in basketball, on large slates, I don't even think about it. Now, if you have the decision in your lineup between two players and one is correlated to a game and one isn't, then and they're close, lean to the side of the more correlated player. But to me, that's a 50, that's a, that's a, that's a tiebreaker type of situation. So for instance, if you're going to try to decide for whatever reason, between uh, what stud I play in my lineup. Is it going to be Giannis or is it going to be Nikola Jokic? You go, okay, should I play Giannis or Jokic? I can play whoever you want at that point. But if you're playing someone on Philadelphia in that lineup, side with Giannis. You assume that if the game stays close and goes over, each player plays maximum minutes, has done well, and they correlate with one another. Very, I mean, weekly, but they do correlate. If you're playing someone in Charlotte, let's say you're playing LaMelo Ball or Garden Hayward or someone, well, then play Jokic in that lineup. I mean, you could still play, you could play Giannis if you want. I mean, you could. 
not that big of a deal. But I'm more likely, you know, if I'm going to play, if I'm going to play a bunch of uh, uh, Houston today, and I'm going to make, uh, you know, oh, I, I have uh, about 10k to play for for a point guard, I'm more likely to play Steph Curry in a lineup that has Kevin Porter and Sterling Brown in it versus playing Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal or Luca or something like that. That that would be the game stack, but I'm not like purposely, I'm not starting from the point of what game do I stack, right? How do I play five guys from the same game? Like I, I'm, the correlations aren't weakened. I mean, it, oh, well, what happens if the game goes to overtime? Yeah, good luck predicting that. Good luck, uh, who knows? So no, I don't go out of my way to game stack. On smaller slates, sure. Three game slate, I mean, you almost have to. Three games late, it's more beneficial to just say, I'm going to stack one game and hope the other two games are blowouts. So it's like, okay, then you could take five, six guys from the same game. Okay, then then you could do it. The 10 game slate, you have too many options. Jason D, can you explain why having a lineup with a balanced ownership, all players between 10 to 20%, if it has lower total ownership, would be less unique? than a lineup including 30% and sub 5% on plays. Well, that's why, Jason, you have to, that's why ownership product is more indicative of uniqueness than ownership sum. Because we'll take a look right there. Remember, we saw these 3%. So only 3% of the, like we take difference between some of these lineups. Like let's go to, where do we see Vassal was in some, like here we go. 191. Okay, this is a 190. Can I find something? Okay, let me find something close. Okay, 198. Here's the 9%. Okay. So really, like the difference between these two lineups, right? Up and down. So we have this Harden lineup, this Sadaransky lineup, this, these two lineups. Who cares about the players? Don't worry about it. So this has a 7% owned guy. This has a 9% owned guy. These are going to be more unique than a lineup that's more like or like this, right? Because you multiply, multiply all these numbers together. 0. 0.22, 0. 0.24, 0. 0.32, 0. 0.21. This lineup will be less less unique than a lineup that has a 9% on guy, a 3% on guy. Even though the sum, because you're playing chalk of your players, because look at this lineup. Zadaransky, Halliburton, Brown, Kevin Porter Jr., 7% on Marcus Morris. This the these the 7% owned and the 12 these these two make up for yeah, you can play all the chalk at this point. Multiplying it all together. If you're playing if you're playing all, let's say up over here, where the highest the lowest owned guy is 15%, there's gonna be less leverage. There are gonna be more combinations of these players. Not as a whole. This may be a unique lineup. You may not be duplicated. But you may see more Brown, Brown, Giannis, Sadoransky lineups. But you're not going to see as many that have like Marcus Morris in it. Or Devin Vassell. Like this type of lineup. This is going to have more leverage. Even though the sums may be close to each other. This is why I say that ownership sum is not the be-all end-all. If anything, ownership product would be much more. But we don't show ownership product. So that's why you can't just go like, oh, that's why using 
this as the blunt tool of, oh, I just have to put in the max ownership. You're going to miss a lot of lineups that actually have more leverage, even though the, the, the sum is higher. It's like 50% done guy, 50% done guy, 1% done guy. Has more leverage than 30% done guy, 30% done guy, 30% done guy. 30 plus 30 plus 30 is 90. 50 plus 50 plus 1 is 101. Yet the sum of 101 is actually a much higher leverage lineup than the 90 because you have that 1% on player there. Even though the other two are mega stupid chalk. I hope that explains it better. Uh, Let's see. Michael Lingenfelter, thoughts on last night's slate? Oh, yeah, we, we, we didn't even talk about yesterday's slate, right? The Moses Brown slate. He went off. Thoughts on last night's slate? If you knew ahead of time Moses Brown was going to be 80% owned in a single-entry GPP and the best lineup without him gave up 10 points in medium projection, would you still have played him? Pro- last night, yeah, probably. Moses Brown projected extremely well for 3500 Poku, like someone like Pokashevsky, he was someone I would more likely have have not played. We could see Petty Theft did that. Like to me yesterday, I, I, I did not mind Sadoransky or Brown. Quickly is someone like a 38% owned? No problem. Get rid of it. Uh, let's see. It's, it's just the context of the slate. It's like no one project, not, no one had a better value than him. And the center position was fairly weak to begin with. Some people play like Nathan Knight in the power forward spot. I wasn't a big fan of that. But yeah, Moses Brown, 51 points for 3,500. Yeah, I think you needed him. You needed Moses Brown. I mean, obviously we had Capella out. So like Collins, Gallinari crushed. He started. People didn't take that too much into account. Shy, I mean, uh, uh, OKC got blown out, right? So Shy didn't even play the last rotation. Okie doke. Let me go through some stuff here. Uh, I may have to pop out early. Typically, there's a, there's a much shorter show on Wednesdays. I got a meeting with the lineup HQ team. Right, we go over. We're gonna have some new stuff for MLB. We're gonna have some new stuff for MLB. New stuff for MLB. We got some stacking tools. Some new stacking. I'm testing some stuff out. You'll see. I, I, do I want to? Do I want to give up? Give up the. The goods, if it doesn't work, because then you'll be then you'll be upset that oh oh we tested it and it didn't work out right, so we didn't include it yet. But there'll be saw a lot of features that I've been wanting for the past two or three years that we've been working on. It's the different the, uh, the, like the, all, players only in stacks, you know, but, that group combinations for like if you want to have like Red Sox plus the Mets in a certain percent, like it'll just do that. Right, so you're not stuck with like, oh, I, I stacked the Red Sox and the Yankees, and they all appear in the same lineups, like they clump together too much. So we'll have some, we'll have some new functionality, so you get a little bit more out of uh, out of stacking in MLB, and just general upgrades. There'll be there'll be there'll be a bunch of stuff. 
We're, we're working on it. We're working on it. It's coming out, come out in a week or two, right? We got baseball coming out, coming up soon. Derek Hardy, the bat, that's on sale now. You get that, you get that now. You get it for like six months. It's, it's ridiculous how cheap he charges for that. It's ridiculous. For six months, I think it's like 300 bucks. You get, you get what the best projections in the industry. Hands down, by far, no questions asked. The RG projections are good. Jamino's projections are good. But even he will admit that the bat, there's no better projection system in, for MLB than, than Cardi's bat. So, so if you would, that, that's what I use, okay? That's, um, I, I eat my own dog food. It's not my dog food. It's Derek Cardi's dog food. But I eat his dog food. I don't mind. So go pick that up. Go get a Roto-Grinders premium subscription. Hit the link in the description below. In the podcast description, it's everywhere. $10 off your first month. Get the combo premium. So you get NBA as well as MLB, as well as PGA and MMA and soccer and whatever. Whatever whatever you want. All the sports other than NASCAR. Stevie's package is its own separate thing because Stevie does nutso stuff for NASCAR. He's like in the pit. Like he goes to the racetrack, he's talking to the people. Like, I mean, I don't think you could get a better package than that. So that has to be separate, I guess. So you could do that. Michael Lingenfelter says, tell him to add up smash percentage in builds. I think it's maybe smash product. Is, would that be better than adding it up? But yeah, no, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, that would be somewhat useful. Most of the time I'm building lineups with players that are, have significant enough smash percentages anyway. Like, I'm excluding the garbage. Like, on today's slate, it's not like I'm going to have much of uh, uh, the Isaac Okoro in my lineups. I'm probably just going to exclude him, so I don't even have to worry about having someone that's, like, that lowly projected. Right? Less likely, Cody Zeller right now. 4% smash. Like, most likely, I just exclude him from my builds. I think that's the best way of doing it. So once you have at least a whole bunch of players that you don't mind rostering that have a decent enough smash percentage, then adding it all up to me doesn't matter. I care at that point, I just care about the medians and the, and the ownership sums. But yes, it would, it would be useful. Yes. To some extent. Alex Santi says, I did nothing but optimize with the bat for cash games in 2020. And I had a 58% win rate in head-to-head. Yeah, there, there you go. You're profitable. You're profitable right there. I mean, I'm going to be doing the same thing that I'm doing for basketball, for baseball. Okay? I'm just telling you. So right now in basketball, using the RG projections, play 232 total slates across three sites. 56% win rate. 7.8% daily ROI. A net of 18,646 bucks on a starting bankroll of 20,000. I'll be doing the same exact thing using the bat for baseball. I even set up, see, I have a blank spreadsheet right here. Like just, I'm waiting, waiting for the first, waiting for the first, doing the same exact thing. While I'm doing it for, ba- for basketball also. So it's going to be a pain in the ass. And like I said before, for, for, for NBA GPPs, like once base, once baseball comes around, basketball GPPs are over for me. I, I can't do this whole, it, 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 it's getting ridiculous. The last, especially the last couple of weeks, 
of, of uh, the uh, the NBA season? Like, no, I'll, I'll do I'll do with MLB. MLB is I, I I enjoy MLB GPP so much more than basketball. Trey McRae says when calculating a three percent would be point oh three. That's that that would be correct. That would be mathematical equivalent. Three percent is point oh three. Yes. BFAM asks, honestly, in your opinion, which I mean, I always give my honest opinion. How important is ownership projections when it comes to higher owned players scoring the same as lower owned players at different price ranges? I think it's very important. Why wouldn't it be important? I don't see, I don't, I don't understand like the concept of this question. Ownership projections are always important. Right? I mean, our initial ownership projections right now, which don't mean anything, trust me. In general, they mean something, but not at, at 11.30 in the morning. The difference between Jalen Brown being 32.9% owned and 16% owned is drastic. Is Tyrese Halliburton going to be 30% owned? If he ends up being 18% owned, that's drastic. Is Drew Eubanks really going to be 23% owned? Probably not. I don't see it. Well, why is Drew Eubanks? What's going on in San Antonio today? Are we just that starved for value? What's going on in San Antonio? That Why are we coming up with Drew Eubanks having such a big projection? What's Did I miss something? 22 minutes, 20. Yeah, I guess he, he's been playing. And he's 3,100. You're right. Oh, God, is it Drew Eubanks day? <laughs> he's been playing 18 to 23. He's been playing. He does stuff. It's not like he's, he's, he's I mean, look, he has four forces, five rebounds. He does stuff it's against Chicago, and that's a pretty good matchup. So is that the reason? 18-minute Drew Eubanks is going to be in the show. Does he even show up in the optimal? No. Don't even have to worry about it. Maybe I don't have to worry about it for the optimal, but geez, Drew Eubanks. Okay. Maybe, maybe he's a thing. Maybe he's not. It's kind of weird to see. I mean, that's why that's why the ownership projections matter. Is Drew Eubanks going to be 24% owned? Or is he going to be 10% owned? It's going to matter. Those things matter. Because what ends up happening is that you think a guy's going to, you, based on, uh, you, I think a guy's going to be 40% owned. And then you leverage off of that and he ends up being 10% owned. And now you screwed up all your lineups. Or you think a guy's going to be 5% owned and ends up being 30% owned. It's like, oh, I play, I played the sneaky leverage play. At five percent owned, I mean it's thirty percent owned. It's like now the leverage, the leverage is gone. You don't have any leverage in the lineups anymore. Owners' projections are, are, I'd say, almost more important than player projections. An MLB probably. I know I said you know Derek Hardy's projections are great, but I mean the ownership matters even more. Samuel Johnson. How do you go about building your cash lineup? Also, do you believe DK cash is harder? Your results state say that cash games typically have, have stronger players. Typically casual players aren't that thrilled about doubling their money or playing head to heads. They're putting their money in dollar in a dream. Can I win a hundred thousand type of contests? And DK's pricing is much sharper. And the lobby is, is a, a, a little bit stronger than FanDuel or Yahoo. But how do how do I win? How do I make my cash game lineup? I'll show you. 
Okay. So you load up line up HQ. Load up line up HQ. Let's see what the projections say. As of 7.57 a.m. right now. Doesn't mean anything right now. You see all these numbers here? These are the median projections. And if you want the if you want the lineup HQ to solve the problem, it's called a knapsack problem. How do I jam in as much of this median projection to one lineup for 50,000 salary? Well, you gotta go to lineup preview and hit this button called optimize. There you go. 284.22. If we build 10 lineups, you'd see. 284.22, 283.56, 283.41. Me, I play the top one. But this is how I make my cash lineup. Done. Takes me about mm, four seconds. Takes me longer to actually put it into, tap it into my phone or click it onto the screen. So as of right now, my cash lineup would be Harden, Halliburton, Brown, Green, Tice, Sadoransky, Jalen Brown, Kevin Porter. As of right now, but I mean, the projections team updates these projections all throughout the day. That's my cash line. Now, if you wanted to play the second one, if you wanted to play Sadoransky, Halliburton, Brown, Giannis, Eubanks, Murray, Brown, Porter, this is fine. This is also a good cash. This is fine cash line. This is another good cash line. They had the top 10. Pick whichever one you want. You want to play Rashawn Holmes? Yeah, there you go. Here's Rashawn Holmes, Will Barton, Drew Eubanks. Play this one. The difference in medians is 283 to what? You're giving up a point. A point in 284 points. So not much difference. And there you go. That, that's what you play. That's what I do. That's math. I'm using the math. I can don't even look at the names. I don't even care. I, is the projection model good? Yes. Do I trust uh, the, the team that puts in the minutes allocations and usage? Yes. Okay, so what do the numbers say? There, there's the top median lineup. Play it. That's it. That's cash games. Because you don't have you don't have to win first in a double up. Give me the top half. That's it. I'm done. I double. Let me win more than 55% of my head-to-heads that night. I'm done. I'm, I'm profitable. There you go. If you trust the model and you trust the people behind it, why wouldn't you just use the numbers? That that, that that's what the numbers say to do. So that's what the numbers are. You take a look, you know, yeah, DraftKings not, not doing well this year. FanDuel crushing. Same projections. But obviously on FanDuel, you don't have to, you rarely have to play like the $3,500 guys. The thin, you know, the guys that are only going to play 20 minutes and they project well, but their range of outcomes is going to be very wide. You don't have to do that much on FanDuel. And the competition is a little bit weaker. Same thing for Yahoo. DraftKings, much sharper. But last year, Using this methodology, DraftKings was like a 65% win rate using this methodology. Okay. Now it's right now, this year it's 51%. But last year was 65%. That's variance. So what what's what is what has changed? Not much. That's what variance is. That's a largely I mean, we're talking about a sample size of 82 slates, 77 slates, 73 slates. Over a sample size last year of 160 slates, it was 65% on DraftKings. So you add that together to the 82, it's that over the over the year and a half period, it looks pretty good. Just over the past 82 slates, it's been a little bit above break even. Just still within the rake. I mean, really, 
It's still within the rake. Because remember, like 10 to 12% of that, you have to make up just, just to get there. So this is even above the rake. To me, to me, cash games are, I mean, every everything DFS to me is math. But cash games is much more, much more of a solved game. I don't know if you want to call it a solved game. It's not. I think you're going to play it more so like a solved game than you would for GPPs. I think cash games are not interesting. Other than can I make, can, can I use good projections and make money for the least amount of work and least amount of time? Yeah, sure. If I could do that, sure, give it to me. Why the hell not? Uh, let's see. Any other questions before we get out of here? Alex Santi says the last three, four weeks of NBA DFS is insufferable. Yes, it is. The last three, four current weeks. I mean, it's been like this all season. It's going to be even worse. Oh, I can't. It's when people are sitting and pe- things are tanking, it's going to be it's going to be horrific. Uh, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Jason D, if your ownership product is way below one for the desired 20 size, are you giving up too much? Or should you not use that measurement as much for a plus EV lineup? As long as it's below one, you're fine. I mean, most of the lineups you make are going to be below one. The further below one, the more that it should be used for a large field tournament. But I mean, most of the time you're not, you're not giving up. You're not, you should be giving up 30, 40 points in projection. Like on any slate for any reason. So the likelihood of it being so ridiculously low owned like that, you're likely not going to be playing those lineups anyway. You're going to be giving up 10 points, 15 points, 20 points. Depends on the slate. A lot of times you're only giving up five or six points. If you're only giving up five or six points in medium projection, the light, your ownership product is not going to be like point zero 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 three. It's not going to be that low. They're, they're going to be owned. These players are going to be owned. Jordan, after answering the questions about how to build your cash lineup, I understand that you answered with you choosing the top optimal lineup, but it can't be exactly that, right? No, it is exactly that. It's exactly that. If too many people do the same thing, what happens if, how do you chop the price? You're not chopping any prize. You're playing double ups. There's no prizes to chop. You would never do this for GPPs. You would never do. You don't want duplication in GPPs. When you're playing a 124 man double up, first place, if I'm playing a 124 man, $5 double up. What does first place get? 10 bucks. What does second place get? 10 bucks. What does third place get? 10 bucks. Top, what, 55, I think? What, 54? Get $5. Get, get, win five bucks. Get 10 bucks. So if 20 people have the same lineup, who gives a shit? It's not, prog- it's not a progressively paid out structure. Duplication, what do I care about? The only time I would care about duplication is if my lineup was duplicated more times than the payout spots. So if they paid out 54, my lineup's duplicated 65 times, then now my EV starts going down because I can't double. I can't possibly double 
right? The highest you could make is like $9.11 or something, something like that. So yeah, maybe at that point, but other than that, you don't care. Who cares? Don't care whatsoever. I'm going to use whatever projection source you want and play the top optimal lineup. Perfectly fine. Go do it. Mathematically, that would be, if the projection model is good, that would be the top line. That would be the most, the highest median lineup. Mathematically, if we played this laid out a million times, that would perform the best in those types of contests. People don't get, people don't get it. That's what I'm doing. All of this is what I'm doing. I've not done anything differently. Do you think I care that a bunch of people may have the same lineup? No. I'm fine. Look at how much. There you go. Don't care. With good contest selection. Most of the time, I'm not playing small field double-ups. I'm playing the larger field double-ups, not the multi-entry ones. I'm playing a ton of head-to-heads. And am I tying with a lot of people in head-to-heads? Yeah. Get auto-matched or whatever, and people, yeah, sure. We have the same line, but get your rake back. Okay, whatever. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it happens even if you're not using the same projection source. Sometimes the, the pricing is so ridiculous that everyone's on the same lineup anyway, pretty much. People are concerned about Do it. I'm doing it. I'm showing you. Well, if everyone did it, then, then let everyone, everyone's not doing it. Fucking wait. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here playing the mathematically optimal lineup in cash games until I see that, uh, that out of 124 entries, that 90 of them have the same line. Okay, uh, that's not happening. So what do I care? Let you. And I'm going to move off, so I'm not. I'm not going to be on the lineup that 25 players are playing. Okay, great. Be on a worse lineup. Good luck to you. It's it's fine. You could do it. that. That could be the better lineup. You're right. It could be the better lineup. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want. I want. I want no decisions. This is the benchmark. I, I, I penned it, the benchmark strategy. It's like putting money in an index fund on the stock market. You're not trading back and forth. You're not doing anything. You're just putting it in. Can you beat that? If you can't beat that, you might as well just do that. So that's what I'm doing. Playing the, project, playing the RG projections as is. That's it. End of story. Over the course of a full season, how much money do I make? Because I didn't have to make any decisions. Now, for instance, if you wanted to, like we have like one, let's say one, two, three, let's say the top six lineups are all pretty good. Or I mean, the differences between them are marginal. So let's say on a certain slate, you wanted to play the second one or the third one. You thought, I want to play one that doesn't have Drew Eubanks in it. Even though the top one is Drew Eubanks in it. You could do that. The difference between these lineups median-wise is so marginal. You'll probably do just as well with the second one or the third one or the sixth one. But the thing is, is which one are you going to pick today? Well, I like the one with this one. Now, well, now, once you say the words, I like this one over that one, you're putting in your own biases, right? Well, I can't play Drew Eubanks in cash games. Even I know he's I know he's a draftable lineup, but I can't blame him. Okay, well that's a bias. 
But if you know that over the over the long run, the first lineup and the sixth lineup are pretty much so close that what does it matter? Why don't instead of if you didn't want to just constantly play the top one, and you wanted to play another one instead, get a die, get a get a six-sided die. And five minutes before lock, you run, you run, you run the you run the top six lineups, and then you roll the die. If it comes up four, then you play the fourth lineup. If it comes up one, you play the first line. If it comes up six, you play the sixth lineup. Still takes the decisions out of your hands. So you're not, you're not, you're still not biased. You're still game theory optimal to some extent. You're randomly choosing the top. You could do a random number generator. I mean, you could just go to random.org, put in, you know, six, one to six and whatever it says. You could do it that way. But the point of what I'm doing is to remove bias, remove all decision, remove all bias. It's all math. It's all projections. That's it. Whole season. End of story. How much money do I make? Because then I have to weigh that with, if I made the decisions every single day and spent the time, would I have made more than that or less than that? Well, it turns out last year I made less than that. So if I made less than the benchmark, why didn't I just use the benchmark? So I'm using the benchmark. So that's what I'm doing. Makes sense, logically. But a lot of people would look at this and go, this, this, takes the, this takes the game or the skill or the whatever out of DFS. But what do I care? I care about money. <laughs> I just care about money. I don't play this game for fun. It's fun making money. <laughs> That's why I do it. So that's why you have to understand that all the things that I'm that I talk about in on this show, as well as in the course, theoryofdfs.com, 15-hour audio masterclass. It's me in your pocket. All these concepts are in there. So if you want a nice little structured education, a 15-hour like audio seminar of all the concepts in game theory for any sport, it doesn't matter what sport you play. If you want that, go to theoryofdfs.com. But it all comes through. It all it all comes through that the one the one and only goal there's only one goal is to make make the most amount of money for the least amount of work that's that's my only concern that that to me that's what i'm optimizing for the the reason if you if you think in your head what is the reason why you play dfs now it's perfectly fine to be a recreational player perfectly fine oh, i play cuz it's fun i play cuz i like sports I play because I'll watch a game and it gives me something to root for. All those are fine. I Fine, good. Have all the fun you want. I only have one answer to that question is to make money. If it wasn't for the fact I could make money at this, I would not be doing it. Right? That's the reason I don't, I don't, I don't play $50 season-long leagues with my friends or something. Something like that. What, what's, how fun is that? put any time into that. I'd rather just sit and I'd rather, I'd rather sleep later than put any time into waivers on Tuesdays or something. No, I don't want to do that. So that's why I, I consider the, the David Sklansky quote. It's a poker writer. And he said that, you know, you, when we play, we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money. So everything I talk about is how to maximize making money. If you don't find that fun, that's fine. Play 
play as fun as you'd like. But I, I find making money to be fun. So that's everything is geared towards that. How do you get the even more edge? How do you, how do you, you could give up some edge if it makes it easier. Like that's what I'm doing for cash games. Like I'm not playing cash games. I'm just input. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm the human monkey inputter. But all oh, the, no, the projections say this. I put this in and at eight o'clock, I'll run it again. See if anything changes, put that in. Throughout the day, I have to enter all the contests and contest select properly. But outside of that, it's just like, I could do it this way with the minimal amount of work and make twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Why wouldn't why wouldn't why wouldn't I? I mean that that's what really what it comes down to. Why why wouldn't I? Well, you could make forty thousand if you put well, I could make thirty thousand by barely doing anything. Right? So why not? Until until that changes, why wouldn't I? <laughs> That that that's the point that I'm making. Is that the right way to play DFS? Who what's the what is the right way to play DFS? The right way to play DFS is to make the most amount of money. I mean, that's I don't see it any other way. But that's what and that's why that's why we get to arguments here. That's why there's debates. People look at a lot of the content that I do and go, like you don't get but it's but it's about sports. It's like, yeah, it's not about sports, it's about making money. Just like the stock market. There are plenty of people that do technical analysis and look at charts. They don't even know what the company does, but they'll look at, they'll analyze a whole bunch of stuff and go, yeah, in the next seven days, it's going to go up three points. And they're, they're very accurate when it comes to that. They could analyze a hundred stocks and go in the next month. It's, these are the ranges of how it's going to be the probabilities. I go, what does that company do? I have no idea. It's the same type of thing. Joe Stroop, why don't you play more cash games then if it's free money? I play I play like $4,000 a night. Dude, look at my, look. Look at how much money I do play. There are going to be swings and there's going to be variants. So yeah, you're, no, you're, you shouldn't take your entire life savings and play it on one slate. That's, that's stupid. Play 10% of your bankroll per day of this bankroll, which is still only 10% of my actual bankroll. You have to think in terms of large sample sizes. You could lose you could lose in cash games five days in a row, seven days in a row, ten days in a row. You could. Uh, I'm gonna play half my bankroll. Yeah, you're gonna go broke. And obviously, the higher stakes that you go, the more skillful players that you get. Right? Do I wanna do I wanna play against Mock Lovin and Empire Maker in thousand dollar head to heads? No. The edge there is minimal, if if there is any. So no, I'm 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 playing a lot more. I'm playing the in DraftKings. I can play, I I can't play the three dollar and one dollar games. So I'm playing a lot more at the five dollar, playing five dollar head to heads, five dollar, ten dollar, adding all those up as much as possible before I get into hundreds and two hundreds. On FanDuel, I'm not I'm not a restricted player because I never played there that often. So I'm playing with so many of the one dollar and two dollar fifty fifty. And avoiding the higher stakes, sharper players. Because as you move up in stakes, you're going to find sharper players. So, yeah. Oh, can I play 20? Yeah, I could play $50,000 on a slate. But, I mean, 45000 of that is going to be against, like, the best players in the world. 
where if you had an edge, it's not, it's going to still be barely, you're not going to even be able to beat the rake. So what's the point? So yeah, once you get up to those levels, yeah, then your, your, your ROI will go down. Could possibly be negative. But the lower stakes, even if the mid stakes, even $5, $25, $50, if your projection model is good, if your projection model sucks, then your lineups are going to suck. Right, Apocalypse says, right. People are asking this very similar questions. They say people just don't do it. Right, right. It amazes me. It amazes me so much. I'm teaching you everything that I know. I, I'm not holding anything back. There's no not there's no nothing. There's the, I I'm showing you exactly how I play. I've made plenty of money. Show you how the top players play. I show you how to use lineup HQ. I show you all the concepts. I have a course. There's nothing else. You just have to do it. <laughs> you just have to actually understand the concepts, understand probability, understand statistics. Get away from the sports stuff. Oh, this guy could uh, dribbles this way and he does that. And I don't watch the games. And just do it. So many, many people don't, or they try to do it. And after two days, they're like, well, this didn't work. It's like two days. Dude, you'll see me during the baseball season, okay? During the baseball season. We're going to play like 160, 180, 200 slates. I'm going to lose in GPP. Like out of the 180, I'm going to lose like 170 of them. Like every day, like every in GPP, is, right? Every day. Oh, stack this team lost. Stack the team lost. Stack the, but you'll see like two or three days out of the uh, slates, out of the entire season, where I get, make five or six figures, where it's like bink 100,000 or bink 30,000. But I'm playing the consistent strategy over the, the entire course of the season. When the Marlins go off, I'll be there. Right? When the Tigers go off, I'll be there. Right? When the Pirates put up 15 runs, I'll probably be there. Right, I live for that. Vomit stacks. So it's not going to happen often, but when it does, I'm I'm, I'm going to be in position to win a lot of money. But it also means I'm going to lose money at the 90 plus percent of the time. So a lot of people start, and uh, I lost a week straight in GPP. So I'm going to go, so? Cry me a river. I've done that so many times before. What are you, what are you talking about? You're going to lose most times. And then they give up and then they lie. I guess I'm not, I'm doing something wrong. Maybe you're not. You're most likely doing something fine. Just you need a large sample size to realize your expected value. Okay. Going through the YouTube chat a little bit some more. Yeah, I got I to get out of here. We got a lot, big lineup HQ meeting coming up. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get some we'll get some of these 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 goodies. Lineup HQ goodies for MLB coming out to you in two weeks. In two weeks, a week from now. When when they play? They're playing in 14 days or so. Can't wait for MLB. And we'll be talking about MLB. We'll be talking about MLB on this show. It won't be just M- NBA. 
In fact, I may more want to talk about MLB more than NBA at this point, especially with obviously like the late news late in the season. It's like, we're going to see, we're going to see questionable tags on everyone. It's like, how do we preview this at 11 in the morning? We can't, can't do it. That's why you have to tune into Grinders Live, right? Grinders Live tonight is with the OGs. Okay, so we got we got a beer makers fan, we got a Noto, we got a Chop, and that'll be coming up uh, at uh, at five thirty, five thirty Eastern on YouTube, and then crunch time for premium members. You get that premium membership hitting that link in the description below. Get ten dollars off your first month, and uh, we got a big slate tonight. And who knows what news is going to come out that totally changes the slate, totally flips the slate on its head. We don't know, but we'll figure it out tomorrow for another edition of the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com.